Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Purple County, the highest warning tier that Ohio's system has for COVID-19 infections. Here comes the Vox podcast from uh, the center of COVID, Ohio, Columbus. Tim, what color is your county? Do you guys have the color-coded system too? We do, and we were also just upgraded to purple. California, I think all of California is flailing around right now we're all yeah purple. i don't yeah i don't think it's just california in this instance um so everything's so, always just about california i thought you knew that yes well certainly and i'd love a, a thanksgiving vac- <laughs> uh, vacation to california where you can host many people it would be glorious um a couple of things there are a couple of things happening tim we have covid going bananas um, almost 200,000 infections, uh, yesterday and, uh, g- getting close to 2000 deaths a day, which is tragic and horrific. We've got, uh, all sorts of interesting legal happenings going on around the election. And, um, and our favorite mayor, Rudy Giuliani had a very interesting press conference yesterday where there looked like it was hair dye. Roll, rolling down his face. So as a man who sweats, there are some mistakes you just don't make. And one of them is makeup and one of them is hair dye. <laughs> Especially um, on national television. You just, you don't ever want to do that. So, um, uh, so that's happening. Um, uh, we're looking at zero help from the government for many str- uh, struggling businesses, at least until the first of the year. And uh, so, so nothing really going on at all. Um, Tim, how are you managing sanity in the middle of all this? <laughs> uh, let's see. There was, there's the Mandalorian. There's ah. Ted Lasso. That was a, a recommendation from Kevin number one. It's on Apple TV plus, and it's just a nice, positive, it's a very um, positive, upbeat little show. It's wonderful. Yep. Those are the little things that get you through. Yes. Coffee, alcohol. Yeah. So not a lot really going on in Tim's life. No mention no. of family, friends. Oh yeah, they're there too. I have a couple of those. <laughs> I will say, however, I, and I—I um, I don't know if this is appropriate to mention or not, but I am. Um, Tim is bundled up today. He's got a beanie. He's got some sort of what, what kind of? It looks like a quilt as a blanket. It's like a quilted jacket thing. Yes, yes, it's a quilted cozy. jacket. It's very cozy. I uh, was recording in a sweatshirt but got too hot, so I am shirtless with the camera pointed only at my face. So, Tim, um, we'll see how this goes. It could be, it could be, <laughs> you know, it could be the new normal. I don't know, but uh, like usually it. only my wife gets this privilege. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so happy that I've graduated to that level. Oh yeah, dude, we're we're tight now. Um, We've got some stuff to talk about today. We're, you know, as tempting as it is to get into all the craziness that's going on. There are other great podcasts that are doing that. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to stay grounded in the teachings and words of Jesus, and um, we're we're getting into a section uh, that is that does seem relevant, um, mm. and uh, so we'll dive into that in a second. But first. Um, I want to thank four people who joined our Patreon team, and um, it, it, we're we are just so delighted 
to be able to do this and to partner with people and that people are interested in partnering with us. Yeah. So I want to thank Dan and Kirith and Derek and Leslie uh, for this week for signing up on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com and type in Vox Podcast with Mike Erie um, and uh, soon to be renamed something else. And um, and you can find <laughs> us there or you can go to voxpodcast.com and there's also a Tithely platform on there. All of it's tax deductible, uh, particularly for those of you and I know this is a distinct minority in our audience who are tax planning for year-end giving. Um, <laughs> we accept That's a thing right now, though. It is. It is that some it's of us are doing. Push. Some of us are doing. So yes, it's Giving Monday. Is that a thing, or is it Giving Tuesday? I don't remember. Well, right so, now it's Giving Monday. That's no, right. It's Friday. Yes, I, we're we're struggling so much. I don't <clears throat> even have a shirt on my back. <laughs> no, that's that's not not true. But anyway, we just want to thank you for participating with us. All right, Tim Stafford yep. is going to read uh, our uh, text today. Um, this is a man who has sung. I, I wanted him to sing this for us, but um, he said no. That's right. So, uh, Tim, why don't you read our text today in the most angelic voice possible? Ooh. All right. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Boom. Boom. The voice of an angel. The voice of a tired angel. <laughs> or what's the movie called in Home Alone? I, I have no idea. I, I've so, never watched that movie. Wait, what? Nope. What Bonnie is to Star Wars, I am to the Home Alone franchise. Is there a reason why? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that I've ever... I've always been taken with the Christmas story. Ralph shooting his eyes out. Yeah, that was a classic It's kind up. of my go-to. Um, Elf... You know, Elf is now modern a classic, classic, modern, modern classic. And, um, and have then, your kids seen Home Alone? I don't think so. Oh my goodness. I know. Well, I'm sorry. No, it's the, I mean, you're coming into the season to watch it. It's a Christmas movie. And is it though? Watch it. It's on. Yeah, totally. I mean, it takes place during Christmas. Okay. But that doesn't make it a Christmas movie. See, this is the diehard, you know, this is the diehard dilemma. Right here, no, a no movie that takes Die Hard. place. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. A movie it's taking a place Christmas movie. at Christmas does not make it a Christmas movie. Well, I would tell you more, but I don't want to get. I don't want to ruin the experience for you. Home Alone's a wonderful film. It's a great. <clears throat> I'm getting emotional. It's a. <laughs> it's a really good movie. It's fun. All right. Seth will love it. Oh boy. Well, that and then he that... may he may booby trap your house. Yeah, that's what we don't want. He he watches, 
he watches uh, these guys on YouTube called um, Dude Perfect. Have you heard of them? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so they they had an episode. It was called Rage Monster where they just destroy stuff. And so we found Seth rage monstering. It was not good. He sprayed the inside of my truck with... Um, so we went and rage monstered in my truck and he got uh, sunscreen and sprayed it all over the, no. the inside of the windshield. He took the floor mats and threw them around and ripped up some napkins. And uh, that was the Did last... Did he specifically say this was, this was rage monster mode? Yes, he said yep. that. Now he calls it Mad Monster, but I, but Mad we know monster. what it we know we know what it means. Yeah. All right. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> so Jesus here. Um, <laughs> Good segue. It, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Speaking of Rage Monster, so Jesus, um, if you remember, a couple episodes ago, was critiquing the piety of the the way piety was practiced and defined by the Pharisees. And he is calling them hypocrites, which is the ma- a massive, massive indictment. As we saw several, a couple of episodes ago, that was a critique about their two-facedness, their duality. So we took that concept and sprung into another episode last week just about it. It's such a big threat to kingdom life that we thought another episode was warranted. But, but Jesus, uh, overall, in the Sermon on the Mount, is, is talking about three expressions of Jewish Jewish piety that were defined as righteousness. Because remember, he's talking about your righteousness must surpass that of the scribes and Pharisees to be part of the kingdom. And so we have fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. And he first introduces, uh, very similar to the practice uh, practices around fasting and almsgiving, the hypocrisy of the hypocrites. Uh, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. We've commented on all of that. If you're praying to be impressive, then that's your audience. Fantastic. Your audience will be impressed. And that's all that it is. (laughs) And Jesus here gives the same remedy that he gave um, for the other two practices, which is the remedy of obscurity or secrecy, right? When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your what? Father. Father. And your father, who is, because he's unseen, sees what is done in secret, and he will reward you. And we we mentioned that whole weird thing about rewards. And then he contrasts another way of praying. So on the one hand, you have the, the prayer of the religious pretender, the religious performer, right? Who is good and impressive, and prayer is a place to, like, sound awesome. And then he introduces the babbling of the non-Jews, which is a, a form of anxiety management, right? I don't know. The gods need to be appeased. And if I can just find the right formula, the, the correct number of words, the right emphasis, um, right. then it's... And so this is kind of voodoo. So you've got the religious performance and then you've got kind of the voodoo magic doll sort of approach to prayer, Right, the and and they're both they're both utterly devastating to what prayer is supposed to be. Right, performing, right, that's your own reward. But the babbling, if it's rooted in fear, um, then then all you're doing is trusting into some sort of formula. Right. So right. there was this video that went around of 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 a spiritual advisor to the president, Paula White, who was mm-hmm. doing this thing and and trying to get angelic the African angels to come and intercede. 
um, during the election, and it was just it was quite odd. But it was this it was this kind of babbling. It was it was yeah. I think Jesus would have critiqued it as non in, non intelligible. Um, uh, even her English words were not intelligible. And <laughs> I just want to I just want to throw out the possibility that maybe the African angels did show up. And that's why the election went the way it did. But that's a different story. <laughs> so, so you have two ways of approaching God. You've got the you've got the religious pretender. I've got to be good and impressive mode, which I fall into all the time. Um, right, prayer is a place to be good. Right, so mm-hmm. I've got to I've got to I've got to close my eyes and bow my head and do that stuff. The performative um, nature. Performative nature, particularly when we're praying in groups, right? I don't want to yeah. suck, and everyone will apologize. It's so funny. If you're praying in groups, people will, t- hey, guys, I'm sorry. I don't really know how to pray, and then they'll pray. Right. Yeah. As if that's a religious thing, right? Um, and then there's the voodoo magic formula thing. And, and, and some Christians turn to that. Like, if you just, if you pray, I, I've been around people who, like, have this formula. It's about two or three pages long of like the exactly the right wording to use if you're engaging against in, in spiritual warfare against the powers and principalities like it's this almost this incantation thing yeah. and 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 so both of those are true of the ways in which we approach God we approach God out of self-righteousness we approach God out of fear looking for a magic formula Jesus offers a third way shockingly and <laughs> and mentions it a number of times when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father. father. Right. So you've got the religious performance, and you've got the voodoo, and then you've got Jesus saying, no, 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 I want you to relate to God as a father. First of all, the father is unseen, and so the father appreciates what you do in secret. But secondly, to the babbling crowd, the many words crowd, your father actually knows what you need before you ask. Now that raises a question we will get to in a second. But I just want to stand I want to stand first on of all the ways that Jesus could talk about what praying is. He uses the image of a father and a child. Right? Mm-hmm. And then he gives us the Lord's prayer that begins with this then is how you should pray our father. Now, immediately the disclaimers come rushing in, right? God is not male. There are plenty of feminine images for God, right? In, in Deuteronomy, it talks about God giving birth. Um, Jesus describes himself as a mother hen. Um, we're invited to be born again, which is a feminine image. Paul will describe mm. himself as a nursing mother in discipling the community at Thessalonica. Um, there are even Hebrew words and concepts that relate to the femininity of God. So I think it's just in general, I think it's important to keep all of them. So I don't want to disregard father just because father's male, nor do I want to disregard father because we, many of us have had bad experiences with father. Hmm. Uh, those images are all there and they're all balanced and they're all matter in their own way. And so I know father. So, so if maybe parent would be the most helpful. All right, so we address God and we come to God and we relate to God as a child to a parent. Now, that still means we have work to do, right? Because not all of us have the kind of parents uh, that you would trust with our deepest thoughts and feelings and desires. 
But um, be that as it may, that's the image Jesus chooses. And so to those of us who are tempted to perform, um, you, you no more have to perform for this father than you would a loving father who knows you to the depths of you. You no more have to babble and, and try to be impressive with your many words because this father already knows what you need even before you ask. All right? Yeah. So what's being set up here is, hey, listen, go find a quiet place where you're not tempted to play act, where you're not tempted to impress anybody else, and then in secret, open your heart to this God in this way, assuming this kind of relationship. Be as honest as you could possibly manage. And that's the scariest part, is the trust the trust that God actually can handle our real honesty, our real doubts, our real lusts, our real insecurities, our real fears, our real, our real concerns, our real addictions, right? To trust that God actually, and that's why for Jesus, the fact that God knows everything already isn't, that doesn't mean don't pray. It means you should pray because he knows right. it all already. He's not up there shocked going, oh, I really didn't know that you struggle with greed. That is totally surprising to me. And so so we're not we're not performing and we're not trying to find the magic formula in Jesus' name, amen, you know, that guarantees our prayers. <laughs> and and there there's a reason, there are reasons why Jesus would use the image of Father. Um, and there are lots of them. But there's a Jewish reason and a cultural reason why Father um, daughter, father, son imagery would speak to that world. Um, in Jewish uh, conception, the, the, the greatest image of a father relating to a son is of Abraham and Isaac. And, um, you know, in, in, um, in Genesis, when we read the story about God calling Abraham to, um, to sacrifice the son of the promise, um, Isaac in that story is in his thirties. He's not just a oh. little kid. The, so, so the Jewish, the Jewish commentaries on this call this the binding of Isaac. It's not the sacrifice of Abraham. It's the fact that Isaac went along with it yeah, that's <laughs> when he could have, he overpowered, he could have overpowered his father. So in, in, and there's a lot, my goodness, we could do a whole set of conversations about this. But in, in the Jewish conception, from what I understand it, there was no greater love imaginable than a father willing to sacrifice his son, hmm. and a, no greater love imaginable than a son willing to be sacrificed in obedience to his father. So the father-son image was, was already weighted. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't use other images, like in Hosea, he's a spurned husband, right? So too in Ezekiel. I mean, there, there are all sorts of other images that are used, but this is just one of them. And so when, um, you know, in John, it says, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That one and only son bit comes from Genesis where uh, the angel says, take your son, your only son, whom you love and sacrifice him. So there's a whole callback going on. Yeah. But culturally, there's also, there's also a, a thing happening where in the Greek um, Roman worldview, the father was the head of the family. The father was um, in good and bad ways. So the the father was the father literally had the the power of life and death over his family. Um, he could reject a newborn child by just turning his back on it. 
He could um, put slaves to death. He could divorce. He could uh, disown. Um, it, th- all of this was enshrined in um, Roman law. And as children of a father, you had three jobs. You had three jobs. One was to enhance the reputation of your father. Two was to execute the will of your father, right? When your father did something you will, or asked you to do something, you did it. And then thirdly was to, to make the father's family bigger, to have children, to be married and raise families under the father's name. And so um, what Jesus is going to do is take the image of father and fill it with someone he calls Abba. Abba is an Aramaic word that is preserved in all four gospels, I believe, that is very different than the word father. Abba has connotations of intimacy that the Greek word pater does not. Abba is this, is one of the first words that you learn uh, if you're learning Aramaic. Um, it's literally the first word you teach an infant, Abba, 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 Abba. I've heard, I've been in a pool with, with a, a Jewish child calling out to his dad saying, Abba, Abba. Um, it's a term of respect for sure, but it's also a term of intimacy. Hmm. And so, so Jesus is going to redefine the concept of father around Abba. And what's so distinct about Jesus is that Jesus, Jesus calls the father, my father, God was called Father, I think it's 12 times in the Old Testament. But Jesus, not that I'm aware of anyone that called God my Father. Um, And so Jesus calls God my Father. Now here he says it's our Father because we're praying as a community. He's teaching us to pray as a community, our Father. But there, there are reasons why the Father image mattered. And it makes sense when you look at the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, right? Honor the Father's name, do the Father's will, right? And spread um, uh, make children, um, uh, you know, which is kind of like the great commission, right? Make disciples of the father, right? So honor the father's name, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, do the father's will, and then reproduce, which was the commission to go and make disciples. So all of that is just a bit of background on, on when Jesus says father, right? Not the religious performer, God, and not the voodoo God, but father, um, there's, there's a truckload that's packed into that culturally that we may not, you know, appreciate kind of at first glance. Um, makes sense so far, Timothy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Now we're going to look at the rest of the Lord's prayer, um, next episode, because it is the doozy and there's so much power in this thing. Oh my goodness. But I want to explore the image of Father because Jesus comes back to it later in the sermon. So, uh, Tim, put on the voice of an angel and read. Wow. I don't know that's how angels do it, but okay. Read uh, Matthew 7, 7 through 12. All right. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Okay. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have done do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Nice. The voice of a very tired angel. Woo! Woo! Now, the reason I want to come to this is because the father image comes back and it raises some really important questions we have about prayer. Um, and so, so first, um, <laughs> that the asking it will be given. This comes. This comes at the end of a series. He's going to talk about. Uh, treasures in heaven. He's going to talk about worry. He's going to talk about judgment and discernment. And then he's going to bring this up. And we'll get into that flow later about why it's there. But I want to talk about it now. Uh, A, because it uses the father image again. And B, because this teaching of Jesus is really, it's one we really struggle with. Yeah. Because on the face of it, it sounds, it sounds amazing, right? So, so you don't have to perform. You don't have to do uh, voodoo, right? And just babble in front of God to try to try to win him over with many words or the right words. But instead, he is an eager father. And all you have to do is ask and he will give it to you. And all you have to do is seek after something and you'll find it. And all you have to do is knock and the door will be open. It sounds like God, not only he's attentive, he's present, he's listening, he's gracious he wants our good, uh, and we should pray and ask and seek and knock with total expectation of, of, of good at the end of that, right? I mean, that's the teaching. That's the teaching. Yep. I mean, there's it's not <laughs> it's not terribly difficult, um, and and of course, not shockingly. I mean, and and it makes sense in G. It, in Jesus's. I'm sorry, I keep leaning back, so you see more and more of of my chest. That's 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 not a. No wonder you're distracted, my friend. You lean. You just, you get into it. I do. I, I yeah, I get made fun of very much. I start no, rocking. No, I'm telling you, you should start leaning and get into it. Oh. Oh. Okay. I'm giving you permission, Michael. All right. Well, then I'm going to stand up. To bear that start, chest. Start, start doing jumping jacks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where the spirit leads, my friend. So, so... The problem, of course, uh, no duh, is that this doesn't really fit our lived experience of what praying is. Uh, Absolutely. So, so on the one hand, we have Jesus teaching about the Father and not just, hey, approach God as Father, but approach God as loving, attentive, kind, eager to answer Father. Yeah. Right? And uh, And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to spend the rest of our episode talking about three different um, obstacles to prayer um, that I think are very, very common and maybe some things that have helped me get over them that might or might not help you. But it's one of the questions we get most at the Vox podcast is about this. Um, so I want to, I want to riff a little bit. I'm going to channel some Tim Mackey as well. He's got some stuff on this. That's really good. Uh, some of this is some Greg Boyd. Some of this is some NT Wright. Um, rarely, 
rarely do I have original thoughts. Um, <laughs> so just know if, if you ever hear something from me and then you hear it somewhere else, resist the temptation to think they stole it from me. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think that's a funny way to say it. But so I think there are three obstacles uh, when 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 we're confronted with a, a a piece of scripture like this. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. The first one is, um, and, and this one is the the most instant, at least for me. It, it's really hard to trust Jesus's description of the Father. I just don't, I, I don't believe that he's eager to say yes. You know, I just don't, I, there's a deep thing in me that will acknowledge it in my um, brain and want it to be true. But, but I, I have a deep resistance to that idea. The second obstacle is that, well, if Jesus says already, the father already knows what we need then why do we need to ask? Right. And then the third one is, well, I'm not sure I've ever experienced um, this sort of prayer and answer kind of relationship with God, the way it's Jesus is describing it. Do those summarize uh, pretty adequately the concerns, you think? Yeah, I think one of them too is something that has recently bothered me was somebody going through a, a medical issue and getting up and, you know, people in the church praying and then um, they they had healing and, and they were claiming <laughs> that it was there, was, there was elements of righteousness and um, almost favor to them while there was other people in the church who had recently passed and the same people were praying and it, it created this sense of like God choosing who to good Lord, you know what I mean? Who to acknowledge oh. or who to, who to heal or whatever. And it's like, wow, that's such dangerous rhetoric. And Oh, totally. And it really puts prayer into a weird category. Yep. yep. So it's all so, very confusing. It all, it is all very confusing. <clears throat> and, and, the Bible, um, for better and worse, doesn't give us a ton of answers on how it all fleshes out. Um, right. <laughs> so we're in the dark. But what it does give us is a framework that we've begun to explore out of which those questions can be approached. So we're not trying to answer the questions, but we're trying to cultivate a framework out of which those questions can be begin to be dealt with. So... The first thing is about God's character. And Jesus recognizes, he recognizes that's an objection because that's the first thing he says after he gives us teaching about asking and seeking and knocking. He's like, let me just, let me just tell, remind you how good the father is, right? If you who are not good know how to give good gifts to your children, I mean, come on, how much more does God know how to give good gifts to his children? I mean, and, and, and he's talking to peasants right in the middle of a hillside. And he's like, would you give your, your children rocks if they ask for bread? Well, of course not. I mean, that's minimum, right? It's something they need. And would you, would you give, um, what, what's the second one? If you will give the, is it fish? Fish, yeah, fish, we give them a snake. 
Yeah, if they ask for something clean, would you give them something unclean? I mean, no. The answer, of course, is no. And so he argues in this very Jewish way, well, how much more then will the Father give good gifts to those, you know, who will ask? And the, the, this is helpful and not helpful because <laughs> on the one hand, he anticipates this being a concern, right? Um, and it's very, very easy to come up with especially from from the the two verses that that come at the beginning of this ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open you can take those verses and abstract them away from context to come up and then combine them with other teachings of jesus and come up with kind of a name it and claim it um i get whatever i want and if i don't get it i haven't asked well sort of theology right and that oh my goodness we see that all over the place and so um we speak it into existence if you will and um and so part of what what god is doing is he is the the father image is designed to correct that misunderstanding already so which of you fathers would say yes to every request that your children make? Right. Well, of course. Now, for you and I, and for many of our listeners, we have children. And their posture towards us is one of asking and seeking and knocking over and over and over. They don't contribute much when they start out, right? They can't even verbalize their needs. You have to learn to understand the differences in their cries. But then, then they get into, you know, toddlerhood and childhood, and all they do is ask. They're not affirming yeah. you. They're not blessing you. They're not saying, Dad, I know this is really inconvenient time, but I was wondering if I could have a juice box. Thank you for your hard work and making sure that we have stuff in the fridge. <laughs> Right. That's not how your kids talk? No. No. <laughs> Seth, Sethy, juice box. He'll just yell it. <laughs> yell it into the void. Right? Now that my now that I have two teenagers, it's all like they will come down <laughs> with a smile on their face and you know they're going to ask you for something. Right? Can I go? Can I do? Do you have money? And and it's beautiful. And that and 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 all of us believe that's as it should be. But built into that image of father and children is the fact that a wise parent does not always say yes. That it is possible to be good and loving and to say no at points where it was quite inconvenient and disappointing to the children I'm saying no to. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you sound convinced. <laughs> you know, so, well, I think it's interesting like because it is very – it's confusing – obviously um i shauna and i like when we first had our son elliot we had made a deal was like we'll we'll never say no um just because i say so you know that kind of old parenting thing we were just like yeah yeah why because i say so just deal with it and go away right we always had a thing where like we will never say because i say so we'll always explain why yeah we're saying no yeah i'd like to get i'd like to hear that from god Yes. No, because. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, thank you. 
Yep, go ahead and go ahead and let him know that in secret and see oh, what I, happens. I've let him know it in secret and in public. <laughs> but I'm just I'm speaking to first this question yeah, about yeah. his character. Jesus presents God as eager to say yes, not out to get us, but willing our good. Now, obviously, we have all sorts of hang-ups about this, right? We define good differently than God does. Clearly. Our children define good differently than we do. Clearly. Obviously, there's another team on the field that complicates this whole thing. And, um, you know, there is a a deep woundedness that many of us have from our families of origin that make any familiar, familial, famil, I'm trying to say familiar, not filial, any family related (laughs) image totally tarnished. Right. Right, where where we were ignored, or we were controlled, or we were whatever. So yes, there's much to work out here. But I don't want. I, at the same time, I don't want to dilute Jesus's vision for how mm-hmm. it is that we relate to the Father. Because the reason that play acting and voodoo is so tempting is because Father is hard. Right, this relational context. This is hard. Yeah. Right. It'd be way easier. Um, to fall back onto something else, trusting my performance or trusting the formula. Totally. This naked asking of just saying, God, I have no, this is just what I want. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super scary. So of course we're going to, we're going to try to hedge our bets and we're going to try to make formulas and we're going to try to, you know, and then when, when something does happen, well then of course it was about us and our goodness and our favor. Right. Give me, give me a freaking break. <laughs> so, so, I, I guess I don't want to overcomplicate prayer because Jesus frames it in the setting of a wise and loving parent who knows better than you do. Right. Now, <clears throat> that strikes against so much of Americana in us and Western individualism in us. But the fact is, we still, for those of us in families, we know this is the way it works. With mm-hmm. my spouse, I don't have the power to compel. I have the power to ask. Right? No, I can manipulate or I could abuse or I could lie. Right? But that's that's obviously, obviously out of bounds. But instead, what happens in marriage is I ask. The naked request. Jesus. G- Jesus. Dallas Willard, who is like Jesus, <laughs> has a whole... Has, has a whole chapter on the divine conspiracy about the power of requesting. Just, it's, it, is, it is the most relational manner. It is, the, it is the most compelling way of relating that we have to each other. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm asking. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in my asking that is an attempt to coerce you to say yes. Yeah. I, request is a good word for that too. It- it conjures up that image of just like kind of a like a, a, a soft asking, not even like a demanding asking, but kind of like, you know. Yep. So so I sit and I, I, I say, I mean, the, the clearest this ever happened to me, and it's taken me years to begin to believe that God is like this, but there are several things that have happened along the way that have made this easier for me. Um, one is... And I've told this story, I think, lots of times before. But I was um, I was a teaching pastor in Orange County. 
and it was the night before Easter, and uh, so it was Easter Saturday, and our church had was moving from this big tent that we used to do in a parking lot into this big amphitheater at the Orange County Fairgrounds. It was the Pacific Amphitheater. It held like seven, 8,000 people. And so I was going from speaking to 2,000 people on Easter Sunday uh, to this much bigger crowd, and I was just totally intimidated by it and kind of nervous out of my mind about what I should share. So I'm at the fairgrounds, and I'm kind of walking around, and I'm like, I want to be impressive, but I know that's wrong, and I'm nervous, and I don't want to fail, and blah, blah, blah. And earlier that day, we'd watched uh, our son play soccer. So our son was like five or six. Big Nate didn't know that would turn into something awesome. But back then he was just wrecking. Big Nate was wrecking. And, you know, they had, they had to pull him out because he scored like four or five goals right out of the, at the beginning of the game. And they, so they sit him. And, and so I had a couple friends there, um, walk up to me and they saw that I was nervous. And so they say, uh, Hey, let's pray for you. And I'm like, dude, Totally. So I, I be, I just bow my head and they begin to pray over me and, um, and you know, not shockingly, my, my brain begins to wander and I don't even realize, but what I'm thinking about is Nate playing soccer and I'm thinking about how fun it was to watch my son and, and this dude praying for me, Brady, he grabs my shoulder and he interrupts me. He's the one praying. Yeah, And he grabs my shoulder. Have I told you this before? I don't know. Oh, well, he grabs my shoulder and he stops praying. And he says, Mike, God wants you to know that the way you are thinking about Nate right now is the way what? that he thinks about you. Now, now I'm as skeptical a person as can be. Yeah. But, but buddy, that, that was a zinger straight. That was a zinger straight to the heart because I, I didn't even know I was thinking about Nate, but I was. And I was just yeah. like thinking of how fun it was to watch him. And and so the my my life has been to try to actually believe that is true. Hmm. Um and I'm I'm not there, but immersing myself in the gospels helps because Jesus will say over and over, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I envision, I have these prayer practices, these imaginative practices that I do where I will envision Jesus in certain ways that incline me to trust him as, as a parent. Um, I pray the Lord's prayer almost every day. And, and for some reason that has helped. And I pray kind of a version, different version of it every day. Um, but, but I have to say, I've been and, and I've walked through enough of my own brokenness and enough of suffering to find out like there is a there really is a bottom that that I can't argue with. You know, it, these none of none of the things I would want um, that have happened either that I've done or that have happened, I would choose, except for the ones I did choose. Um, but in the, in the aftermath of those, there's been a solidity to God that surprised me. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I've also kept track 
of, and I know all of this can be taken as super religious cliche. I'm just saying, I'm saying it's been a battle to believe God is like this. Right. But I'm growing into it. And um, because I'll find myself just loving my children and just thinking, and they're, and they're, and they're total weirdos and they make mistakes <laughs> all over the place and they're yeah. quirky and funny and teenagery and angsty and moody and, and it doesn't matter. I just delight, you know? And yeah. I'm like, my goodness, for Jesus to conceive of prayer as that kind of relationship, that, that to me is a big deal. And so yeah. I, I, I want to recognize both the ideal and the hardship of believing it. Now, you look like you're thinking about 400 million things right now. <laughs> no, I'm trying. That's the, the I, All of this makes sense. And so it's always this reconciling of, I like what you're saying. I think that, and I like what Jesus is doing here and how you are recounting that of building this kind of framework to before we even get to the prayer. Like, it's so important to understand this uh this relational binary between a child and a parent, like to start there and to understand that there, even if our, even if our understanding or our relationship to parents is terrible and that totally. has to be kind of reclaimed. Um, I like that makes sense. Cause it, for me, it's always just a matter of trying. I, I don't know how many times I'm praying where I have to stop and then be like, where, where are you right? Not to God, right. to me. Where are you right now? Right. Knock it off, refocus. And sometimes that may be three or four times in a, in a single prayer where I'm just like, pull it back together and remember what I'm doing. What, yeah. what am I doing right now? Why am I doing this? And I, you know, and at the same time though, I've, I don't know how many times I'm the person that'll stand there and tell a mountain to move and then be like, do I not have the faith of a mustard seed? Like mm-hmm, this tiny mm-hmm. little kernel yeah. of nothing is that is my faith really smaller than that, that or god Je- is not responding or jesus may be so, saying something else there right but then i get lost in those i get lost in those cliches of like you know if god does always answer prayers you know he says if he's not saying yes he's saying no or if god closes a door he opens a window and no da, da, no da, da, da. dude no how do you feel about mazzy no, I, that's what I'm saying. So I, I appreciate it. this framework because I think it's a good place to start because I will get lost in, I'll get lost in expectation. I'll get lost in um, frustration. I'll get lost in um, rhetoric and that kind of stuff. And so it, it's it's coming back to this image and coming back to this framework to start from and then reminding myself of even midway, you know, because prayer, obviously, for me, has been a real struggle for the last... Totally. But it's been something that I've stayed consistent with, even in the lowest points of my faith. Like, even when I've been in, like, the valley of, like, I don't think that this God thing is real. Yeah. I've yeah. still gone in prayer and been like, I don't think that you're real. Yes! I'm struggling with seeing you. So, prayer... I've had a really tenuous relationship with prayer. That's not... No, no. no. That's the opposite of tenuous. Goodness, that is that is as sturdy as it gets. Are you right, kidding but me? I mean, tenuous kind of a tough pull and like no, but that's it. That's the point. That's the point. And do you not think you've been formed and shaped out of that in ways that have been totally irritating and totally incredible? Yes, but it's that relationship of being being positively and in and in a healthy way, uh, like growing through that. But then being stuck with the rhetoric side of it 
and you know what I mean? There, it's this balancing act where, unfortunately, it'll be the church. F large, the church. F but the I, rhetoric. But that's where we live. And so you get pulled. And when you turn to people and you're asking them how and why, you get the rhetoric. And then, and so it's just this balancing act of like being pulled one way but while Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Slow down. Take a breath. This is a this is a father, and this is good, and he like he's seeking after you. Da, 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 da. So it's like it's just been such a push and pull for so long. It's a difficult, and I've been having this conversation with a lot of people who are just like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know why I should pray. I don't understand mm-hmm. the purpose of prayer. I don't see where God is in prayer. So mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff just comes together. Like, I just I don't I don't know that we've really, at least in my experience with people that we've really been that we've had a really honest conversation about prayer yeah yeah and it's framed generations of american christians i can't speak outside of that but yeah we have a really weird relationship with prayer yeah yep primarily because we see it as transactional yes that was the way i was taught and and jesus seems to frame it that way well, ask and receive, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, Mazzy asks and you give. Yeah. But not always. It's so funny. I um, I so resonate with what you're saying. And I don't mean to be, I don't know. I, 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 I'm eager to not just punt on this. Uh, and I'm not saying you are at all, but I'm saying the 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 frustration and the mystery can very easily allow us just to throw up our hands and go, I, I have no freaking idea. Oh, totally. But the fact that that's, that's what you begin to pray, I don't know. I think that's like, it's not tenuous at all. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of language in the Bible for that. So, so um, let me try to keep swinging because we're running out of time. Yeah, sorry, that um, was a sidetrack. No, no. Oh my goodness, that was not a sidetrack, not at all. Uh, because the second obstacle is well, if if I mean, why why do we pray? Why do we pray? And and Jesus even says, well, the Father knows what you need before you need it. Now he draws right. the opposite conclusion than we do. We draw the conclusion that says, well, if he knows, why should I ask? Mm-hmm. He's drawing the conclusion that says, well, he knows, so ask. right you shouldn't be afraid to ask Uh, even the dumbest stuff it's already he's it's already in there it's already taken into account you know so you're you're shouting you're you're cursing you're doubting none of that none of that's none of that's an issue right right it's already it's already out there and, and this gets it, and, and let me just riff on this for just a couple minutes because what, so I the way I see salvation is like marriage, right? We spent a lot of time on that last week. The way I see God parenting me is like me parenting children because all of the cries of my heart haven't changed from when I was a kid. Right? They're still all the same things. But now I find myself out of love that I never knew I could feel, giving answers that I've heard from God myself. Like when, when, when Nate and Hannah are like totally upset about something in high school, 
I'm just like, guys, high school is so temporary. It's not, it's so never going to matter, right? <laughs> this is nothing. This is compared to what's coming for you. This is nothing, right? I mean, come on. And, and I, and I don't even know I'm doing this, but I'm channeling Jesus, you know, in, in some of the things he will say to me. And so it's so difficult because I want to control prayer for me. is about controlling God and getting what I want. Mm-hmm. And because God uses the father image, it has to be about surrender and trust. And I am horrible at those things. Everywhere else I can manipulate, I can impress, I can, you know, I can dazzle, I can flatter, I can whatever to try to get my way. With God, all there is is surrender and trust. And the vulnerability I feel in that moment. You know? Yeah. And it's just that to me is that to me is what makes this the worst. Now, why <laughs> is it surrender and trust? Well, it goes back to Genesis 1 and 2, baby. What's God looking for in the world? What did he create, Timothy, John, Stafford? Uh, partners. Yes. Yes. Could God run the world better than any of us? Yep. But why then did he create? I don't know. Things are going really good right now. That's true. True. We're doing great. But 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 think of, but, but see... The, the Bible gives us an obvious framework that avoids two of the most damaging things about prayer. One theology pictures God as this divine puppet master, mm. and um, it's all written out ahead of time. Everything you want, everything you do, everything you say, you have the illusion of freedom. Just like if you're directing a movie, right? The, the people in the movie think they're acting freely, but they're acting a predetermined script. Mm. Right? Yeah. And there are lots of Christians that teach that's the way God relates to the world. There are other Christians that teach, no, the way God relates to the world is that he's the grand chess master. And this is an image from Mackey, where God doesn't know what move you're going to do, but he's so good, he'll counter it. And so God is genuinely surprised and genuinely learns things as human history goes on. For those of you theology nerds, one of those is Reformed theology, and one of those is called process theology. And Jesus, Jesus fits uh, neatly into neither of those. Um, Jesus fits into a framework of cooperative theology, of relational theology. So what Jesus is looking for, I mean, what's the first thing he did? He raised up disciples and then he sent them out in his authority. Yeah. And they effed up <laughs> all over. But he did it. Why? What's he looking for? He is looking for cooperative participants. So in Genesis 1, he creates image bearers, an image, right, that is used of, of kings creating representations of their authority in the temple. And then he gives them work to do to expand the borders of the temple and to cultivate the temple and protect it as an act of worship to their God. And then when they screw it up, he calls a man Abram and says, will you be my partner? Right? In renewing human beings. And so it forms him into a tribe. And as part of this, he's making agreements with human beings, right? We call them covenants, but that's what he's doing the whole time. Hey, David, if you do this, then I will do this. Hey, Moses, if the people do this, I will do this, 
right? He's always been looking for people. The way he renews the earth and the way he renews humanity is by looking for cooperative participants. That's been true of the first page, and it's the way the whole book ends up. Yeah. Revelation says we will reign with God forever and ever, right? And so what is prayer? Prayer is how we learn to cooperate with God. And it makes total sense because prayer is the way I teach or asking is the way I teach my children to order their desires and be trustworthy with their power. Right? Because for yeah. a while there, they can't, they don't have any power themselves. And so they ask. And in the way that I'm answering, I'm teaching them the limits of their power, how to use their power for good and not for selfish ends, right? I mean, this is all this, and, and this is what makes it so infuriating. This is what makes faith so hard and trust and surrender so difficult. And it's the reason why voodoo and performance are so tempting. I cannot control God and I want to. Because yeah. I really, and, and, and God is so great. He gives me the grace to bitch at him and complain to him and to negotiate with him and to question him and to, and to shake my fist at him, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's part of the relational dynamic. And I know it sounds so easy, but I wonder, I just wonder if, if part of the reason we struggle so much is because we've lost that framework. Well, of, I think for uh, sure that's why. Well, I mean, when Nate and I go out to accomplish something in the world, all we're doing is asking of each other. Right. Right. Hey, Nate. So, so Nate and I help move furniture for this nonprofit in Columbus. So what are we doing? We're partnering together to accomplish something that we think is good. Hey, Nate, mm -hmm. will you carry that? Hey, Nate, would you help with this? Hey, dad, would you, would you pick up that end? Hey, dad, stop sitting around. I mean, whatever it is. Right, but all we're doing in the realm of relationship is asking. Yeah. And so asking is the crucible, right? Where we learn how to relate to the world. And so so for for me, God does not relate to the world as a director who's written the script, nor does he relate to the world as if he is surprised in learning. He mm. relates to the world as a father relates to sons and daughters who has a perspective I don't have. And I know this can be turned into cliche. I got it. I got it. I got it. But I also, there's a part of this I don't want to give up in the midst of prayer feels so yucky and it feels so complex and it feels so whatever. I don't want to give up the this conception of it as, yep, as competent as I am and as, as you know, good as I try to be and as active as I try to work, I, at the end of the day, control not a lot. Yeah, that's the thing, right? That's the real buzzer is both the scripted version and the uh, chess version or whatever, there is a modicum of, of control in there that really gives you, it just gives you the comfort of like controlling outcomes to a certain extent yes. in different ways yes. for both. And this is always just going to come down to the surrender and the trust. And that's always the hardest. That's just the, yeah, that's the thing that always comes through in the end. You're like, damn it. <laughs> it's so yeah. hard to do exactly that thing. And it is the and it, thing. Mazzy, like that's, you know, she, she gets scared of things. I'm like, what is my number one job? And she says to keep me safe. And so it's just repeating that over and over again until she can fall asleep, believing 
that thing that that's right. the werewolves she thinks are outside are not going to come in the house because you know i won't let them i will not make an appearance shirtless then <laughs> at your house ever no i got enough hair on my own <laughs> well and and i'm not listen i'm not i'm all i am with you on every doubt i have yelled i've i've said while praying over a cancer um patient god it's in your best freaking interest yes to answer this prayer right now what are you doing mm-hmm. why would you do this and and there's just nothing there yeah. is nothing and then i've prayed for for the dumbest stuff and it was as if it was as if god were waiting for me to breathe the words and it, he makes it happen hmm. and i don't get it and 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 so i've just found so much of my spirituality is the quest for control and so much of what jesus is inviting me into is the relinquishing of that and trusting instead. And it's just so hard. It yeah. goes against every everything I've learned about relating to this world. And so I don't wanna I don't want to give up on the purity of that vision. Yeah. While at the same time I want to sit with everybody in the muck of prayer and unanswered prayer and the cliches and and how horrible the rhetoric is. You know, because all of everything I've said can just be flipped into, oh, yeah, yeah, God just, he's a father. He loves you. He'll do what's best. Right. But that, that statement's true. It's just not helpful. Right. What's also true is Jesus wept over the prayer that wasn't answered. Paul three times cried out for the thorn in his flesh to be taken away and it was not. Right. Right? I mean, the Bible is full of the most godly people not getting what they want. Mm. You know? I mean, think, just think about that. John the Baptist asking Jesus, hey, will I get out of prison? And Jesus saying, no, but I am the Messiah. Right. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Simeon walks up to her and says, your son is going to be great and cause the rise and fall of many, but a sword will pierce your soul too. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you're going to call kings and nations to repentance. And then 20 chapters later, I hate the day I was born. <laughs> right. Hey, David, you're a man after my own heart, but I will not allow you to build my temple because your hands are too bloody. Hey, Moses, you've shepherded my people for 40 years, but I will not. I will. You can see, you can come up to the mountain and see the promised land, but I will not let you enter. Ay, ay, ay. Yep. So, what are we left with? Well, for those of us who are parents, I am confronted every day with what words do and what words can make happen in the world. Right? And the harm they can do and the good they can do so part of my partnership with God in praying is using words to bring good. You know, part of my yeah. partnering with God is surrendering, surrendering to him. And I think there's a lot that I pray for that, that God just is like, 
why don't you get off your fat butt and do it? Totally. And that's the you thing know? too, that I, I think that's so true. I think that so much of it is you're asking for things that and in your asking, you're beginning the process of fulfilling what you're asking, right? There are things that we pray for that God's like, yeah, let's go do that. And you get up and you go do it. Yep. It's the cancer thing and that kind of stuff where you're like, you can't, I can't reach in and pull cancer out of somebody. Yep. I don't have that ability. Yep. And so it's the pleading and saying like, this is the one, this is one that you have to do. I can't do this. Yeah. And then that not happening and being like, well, you know, I can go and help the neighbor and do those things or, or whatever. I can do yeah. these tangible things that I'm praying for, but I can't do that. Yeah. But I, but I always think about how many sick people in Jesus's um, countryside did he not heal? How many yeah. dead people died and that yet you hear he raised Lazarus from the dead and you're like, well, what the, what the heck, Jesus? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in that, remember we had a whole episode on what's the, an- what's, what's the best answer about why things happen or don't happen? I don't know. <laughs> But I also uh, want us to, I want our cynical hearts to at least be reminded afresh of this vision Jesus has. Yes. You know, and, and, and I get it, man. I get the cynicism and I feel it, but I'm fighting against it just for a moment here to go. Yes. Ah, oh, but isn't this the way relationships work everywhere else? Yeah. Isn't this part of what it is to be in relationship requesting? Yeah. You know, and may, and so maybe there's a genius to this that isn't at first, you know, apparent. A yeah, totally. I don't know. And, 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 and obviously all the cliches. Yep. Oh, of course there is. Yep. Of course. Of course. It doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> no, but it, it definitely makes the, the seeking part of it. You know, if, if this was easy, I would have abandoned it by now. If I could understand it fully, I would have walked away from it. it I, I, I'm the type of person that I need it to be something that I have to continually seek after or else I'll, I'll lose interest. I, mm. I need God to be bigger than me. I need the mystery as much as I may hate it at moments. <laughs> I need it to be oh. something that I have to, I have to be active in. Yeah, I hate that. All right, well, doggone it. <laughs> what started out as, um, you know, a conversation I've been looking forward to is now like, uh, I don't know, I don't, I just don't want to be cliche, but there's something here, and 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 I've found it in my life. I've I'm beginning to grow into it. And so I have the same questions, the same doubts, the same feelings, but, but they don't produce the same thing as much yeah. anymore. Yeah. You know, they don't produce the same anxiety or angst as much. And so, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I deeply, uh, hope that, you know, this is helpful somewhere along the lines um yeah. because you know we we put a lot of time into it and 
And uh, but I yeah, so I'm just warning it with myself. I'm like, was I too cliche? Was I too whatever? I don't know. I don't care. The pro- well, with a lot of cliches, I think the thing is like, there's truth in them. It's just when the cliche becomes just a just that a cliche that a you mindless. just say. Yeah, yeah, it's but this the whole point of this is that it's a relate that Jesus is making it a relational thing that it's a father yeah. and a child, a parent and a child. Like it takes the cliche, what makes a cliche a cliche out of it because it's relational, which means it's ongoing and it's active and it's yeah everything yeah. that a cliche is not. <laughs> All right, well, any last words? Oh no. <laughs> Oh, well, friends, blessings to you. Um, My goodness, we'll hit the Lord's Prayer next episode out of this. But as always, we are honored and delighted to be a small part of your day. And um, please let us know if you have any questions or anything you want to talk about. All right, till next time, friends. Bye. Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Vox Podcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash Vox Podcast. On Instagram, at Fox Podcast, and on Twitter, at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us.